You are now listening to Well-Fed Women, the show that's been radically changing the way women perceive health, fitness, and their bodies since 2015. I'm your host, Noelle Tarr. Submit your questions to wellfedwomen at gmail.com, and you can keep up with the show on Instagram at wellfedwomen. Welcome to the Well-Fed Women podcast. This is episode number 362. I'm your host, Noel Tarr of coconutsandkettlebells.com. I'm a nutritional therapy practitioner, a certified personal trainer, and I'm here with my co-host of seven years, Stephanie Ruper. And today we're going to be talking about fashion, uh, which Stephanie is very excited about because she is hashtag Team Teal. I'm hoping I say that right. She can correct me later. Food freedom. With chronic disease, how to navigate that. The lowdown on nutritional certifications or nutrition certifications and what to do to set yourself up for success if you want to start a business, what you can do with that certification. I've been getting a lot of questions about this on Instagram and our Facebook group, just everywhere constantly. And so I am just going to kind of talk through some ideas, some of my general thoughts. Hopefully it's helpful. And then we're also going to be addressing seasonal depression. Before we do, one of the things that is really important when you get sick is to stay hydrated. And the best way to prevent dehydration is with electrolyte supplementation. So many of you have reached out to me recently and said that Element was crucial for you when dealing with viruses and things going around right now. And what I love about it is your kids will actually drink it. So I can get my kids to drink Element, but not so much bone broth right now. So it's really the next best thing. And the reason why it is important is electrolytes actually help your body digest the water or absorb the water, and it helps you retain that that water. So there are key electrolytes like sodium and magnesium and potassium, and we actually cannot get like our body doesn't make them. So we have to get them through our diet and through supplementation. And if you're following a whole foods diet, which I know a lot of us do in this community, it's it's naturally low in sodium. So you can you can become chronically deficient in electrolytes pretty quickly, especially when you're sick or you're working out regularly or you have a job that requires a lot of sweating and work. And breastfeeding moms, electrolytes are so important for milk supply. Many breastfeeding mom groups have reported improved supply with Element, which is so cool. So Element makes, and it's L-M-N-T, makes uh, grab-and-go electrolyte replacement supplementation. You just take one of their packets. You um, has a little nice little tear tag so you don't have to bring scissors, which that was a new thing. I'm very excited about that. Um, you just tear it open and you mix it with water and you sip and there is no sugar, gluten, fillers. There's no artificial ingredients and it is paleo friendly. So I take an element every day post-workout, so four times a week, and it's helped tremendously with just my fatigue and dizziness and cramping. And just as a tip, when you're drinking it, mix it in about 16 ounces of water, but at the bottom, it can get a little salty, so just add a little bit of water after that. So I just I, I basically sip on my element for like probably three hours because I just keep adding water and sipping on it. Um, to get a free sample pack, drink lmnt.com forward slash well-fed. All you have to do is pay for the shipping. You'll get to try um, eight flavors, including watermelon, which is my favorite, and raspberry. Drinklmnt.com forward slash well-fed. Click on get yours. And then when you reorder, go to that link again, buy the three boxes, and you'll get one free. Hi, Stephanie. Happy Valentine's Day. Happy, ooh, happy (laughs) Valentine's Day. 
Ooh, that's around the corner. Do you have big plans? I'm sure you're going to be dancing, doing something fun, huh? I got, I got, I'll, let me, I, just, I got options. <laughs> All right. <laughs> uh, I, I will. I'm it. just, I'm, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Valentine's Day's around oh, the corner. That's I don't lovely. Think you are though. Not, yeah, I'm not. Not, <laughs> not from what I've been seeing in your on your Instagram. I'm like, ooh. So that's fun. Yeah. So I've got a, I've got a, um, you have to request to follow me because my content, <laughs> you have to request to follow me. So if y'all do in the audience, just, you know, no. Um, but if you decide you want to, yeah, then you might, then I'm not like, I'm not saying anybody should be following me and maybe in a week I'll stop posting. Cause every once in a while I just kind of like up and <laughs> go through, don't, yeah. and, <laughs> I go through phases. Um, but Yes, I have been living my best life. Uh, I think Noel would probably. That's, that's a good way to put it. I've been living my best life. I have noticed. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah I, 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 I've good. definitely noticed. I'm like, she is having herself a good old time. And I just, it makes me smile because it, I do feel like this is like Stephanie 2.0. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I I really enjoyed, I mean, obviously I enjoyed dancing and everything like in, in all of the years prior, but I'm, I'm a little bit less emotionally heavy than I once was because of mm-hmm. all of the work I have been doing, orienting to peacefulness and joy <laughs> um, yeah. and, you know, letting go of a lot of stuff. At the same time, I also just, uh, it's been a couple of years since, you know, I, I've been kind of able to, to do a lot of the fun things that, that I used to do. And I've landed in this amazing friend group and I just feel really lucky. And all the mm-hmm. stuff you see of me like partying or something on Instagram, it's like Sunday at 3 PM, <laughs> <laughs> Tuesday night, Thursday, at midnight. you know what I mean? So it's just like, yeah, life, life short. Let's go. <laughs> yeah. I love it. No, I, I do. I, I don't feel like I've seen this side of you in a while, maybe ever, because yeah. you've always been really focused on the next thing or whatever you're working on or work or like your um obviously your PhD in school and now I just feel like you have arrived so <laughs> I have and also yes and also I'm putting a little bit it's just a little bit easier to get it out there these days or when I would have fun it, like this previously it was fewer and further in between and yes a break from mm-hmm. a much more stressful way of uh, inhabiting my space, walking through the world. So yes, arrival, here I am, 33, and here I am. <laughs> I can't believe you're 33. Winning limbo reason- contest on Thursday night. <laughs> you're like, I was doing um, limbo last night till 3 a.m. <laughs> I was like, oh, I got home at 1. But oh, okay. um, <laughs> it's pretty, er- pretty early for me. Um, yeah. Yeah. 33. I am. I think a lot, you know, I see on Instagram people share these um, gifts or whatever um, memes talking about how like, you know, you're in your 30s when and they're like, mm-hmm. I'm going to bed at 830. I'm really excited about going to the container store. I'm like, none of that has ever been true for me. I don't think <laughs> will ever be true for me. Like, I'm. Not, it's just like, nah, and nah. that's OK. No, it's well, just, you're still you're still yeah. early. You're st- still early 30s. Look, here's the thing. This I mean, for some reason this like hit me. Look, when when you hit thirty, all of a sudden you start caring about plants. Plants become. This important. is what I'm talking about. <laughs> Not me. Okay, <laughs> go ahead. When Noel hits thirty, this, this is this is my, my experience. You start caring about plants. You start caring about the temperature, the exact temperature. 
that you want the room to be when you're sleeping. Like, you know, in your 20s, you can sleep in a bathtub. In your 30s, you have to, it's like everything has to be perfect. You start caring about bird species, like on your bird feeder and in your birdhouse. Weird. It's just (laughs) weird things that happen. (laughs) Maybe if you had, well... I'm happy for you. You should get a bird feeder. It's actually really entertaining. All of a sudden, I swear, you turn 30 and it's like you can't, you start being like, I wonder what bird that is. Or, oh, that's a cardinal. We get cardinals a lot around here. We get really pretty birds in Virginia. So anyway, Maybe lots of. To Virginia. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, um, right, but apparently it, it, it also could be you limbo, you know. Man, that is a game created for you. I will say that. <laughs> flexibility all yeah. that yeah although i will say yeah limbo yeah um and twister those are my jams i have never lost <laughs> <laughs> i don't doubt it yeah so anyway well I, I actually i'm sure i probably have at some point in my life but um i can't i cannot think of it at this point in time that's yeah. what um yeah so anyway how you doing <laughs> Good. I have a quick update, and then I I want you to talk about fashion, because we have a question for our discussion. We're talking about two things. One is wine, which I'd like to hear your thoughts on, too, after I give my update. And then Teresa wants to know, she wants a little follow-up on the fashion episode. So we're going to do that real quick and then jump into questions. So my quick update, I kind of shared a little bit about this on the Insta. I have not been able to drink wine in a very long time, like pre-kids probably it was probably it's been a decade we always used to try to drink wine me and my husband and it just it's was horrible um i always would get like headaches and dizzy and all that kind of stuff so i've talked to you guys i mean i've mentioned before when i drink i drink a zevia with like tito's vodka that's just been my drink for a very very long time Something about having kids and being done with kids and all that. I'm like, I really want to try other things. So I, because my both my husband and I both have really bad reactions to wine and we just, we don't get it. We're like, whenever people are always drinking tons of wine, we're like, I don't understand how you do this. I decided to try like a sulfate like filter so that you like pour the wine. It like is supposed to filter out a lot of the, the sulfites. So we did that didn't change anything, (laughs) did not work. Um, Then I ended up buying what is known as like low sulfite wine. So a lot of people, you've probably heard of dry farms, dry farm wines. Now, I have just seen people talk about it. I'm not affiliated with them. I've just seen people talk about it. And um, I've always kind of been interested. And we've never been in the place in our life where we have wanted to you know, buy fancy wine. So we just never have. But we decided to recently and um, I tested it out just like making dinner at night, you know, sipping on it just a little bit, like not even maybe like two to three ounces because I didn't want to have a bad reaction. And um, I didn't have a headache. I I was fine the next day. Like I didn't have any issues. So then we gave it a couple weeks. We went through like three or four bottles of wine over the course of maybe a month, maybe like more like four to six weeks. And I don't have any reactions whatsoever. I haven't had the headache. I haven't had like the grogginess when you wake up. And it used to make me like really, really sleepy. Do you get those reactions from wine or is? 
I don't know. Um, I obviously know you like tequila, but I <laughs> actually I don't. I don't. See, I don't I either. I had to. I had to win the swans full of tequila for my people. My people okay. needed me. <laughs> so actually, I only you were serving almost, the people. <laughs> yeah, being a a servant. Um, I uh, wine. So I actually, I white wine is one of the only things I do drink. Because okay. uh, my problem with alcohol is the histamine content, and red wine yes. happens to be like the highest in histamine of all possible things. Um, I have noticed that since I've started taking uh, histamine enzymes when I drink or, or consume anything that has histamine in it, it it helps a lot. I used to think, man, people get hungover, everybody gets hungover, but in in retrospect, my hangovers were crazy. <laughs> like. <laughs> Because because I was I had this huge histamine mm. reaction. Um, when you say the, you're taking same time. histamine enzymes, what are you take? What enzymes are you taking? Um, so I take Dow diamine okay. oxidase. Um, yeah. I take it in a form called Nature Dow, which is my favorite form. I've tried a few, um, but I take that. It's a one of the enzymes that helps the body process histamine, and it's the one that's found predominantly in the gut. And so I take it with meals. It's not like something I put in my bloodstream to help me metabolize. It's like I take it with meals. Um, yeah. So, uh, yeah, that particular reaction to alcohol that you're talking about is a little bit different than mine. Um, and I have only ever had a handful of sips of red wine in my life because it's just like a wave of headache immediately. So I wouldn't really re be able to weigh in. But white wine is okay. The histamine content compared to some other alcohols is uh, relatively low. So mm -hmm. it, doesn't, it doesn't have any other negative effects on me. Super interesting. I wish I would have tried that before too, like taking the Dow um, with wine drinking. But I don't feel like I'm super reactive to, like I'm not very sensitive to histamine mm -hmm. like you are. I've never had that sort of reaction. It's just been my, st I think more so with my stomach too, just I've always had, you know, I grew up with, oh, my stomach hurts. I, I have stomach issues and IBS and stuff like that. And so I never could drink like I tried beer only like a handful of times in my life. And I was just like, I cannot do this. Um, and I just I really don't like it. Yeah. yeah, I have never been a drinker in general. You know, I'm, I'm not like a let me let me pound it. But um, I don't know. I love the the wines now, the the low sulfite wines. I I did a little bit of research and there is like. In the U.S., you can add – there are so many different additives that are typically added to wines, and that is why I think I was reacting and getting kind of headachey and or just, like, feeling, like, sick because it can have, you know, sugar and all that stuff. So um, I'm a huge fan now of, like, the organic biodynamic wines. I like – it is, like, lower – I know it's lower sulfite, but it is lower alcohol, too, but I still – you still get a chill feeling. It's not like a buzz, you know? Um, but it's, it's definitely re relaxing. Um, and yeah, so I highly recommend it. Oh, I do. They have this thing where you can get like a bottle for a penny. So that's what I ended up doing. I found one of my friends who I know drinks it. And, um, so we, they do like memberships where you send six bottles of wine. I don't know. It's like you order six bottles of wine, but we ordered the six bottles of wine, got the extra for a penny, then paused it so we could get through the six bottles and then like reordered at whim. Um, so I signed up so that I can give that to other people. So if you want um, 
a bottle for a penny. I believe, I believe, I haven't double checked. It's dryfarmwines.com slash coconuts. I will link to that in the show notes. I'll, I'll double check, but dryfarmwines.com slash coconuts. I would um, get, if you if you are wanting to try that, like the organic biodynamic wine, they'll give you a mixture of like the reds or a mixture of whites. You'll get that free bottle for a penny and then pause it. Or, I mean, if you're loving it, just keep, you know, having it sent to you. But I, I pause it and then we work through them and then and then we reorder, which is what I do with feels, too, by the way. You just have to be on top. You have to make a note, you know, because then you'll mm-hmm. see the charge and you're like, dang it, I forgot. But um, yep. anyway, so this is from Teresa. She says, can you follow up on the fashion episode? Any specific recommendations on how to find your style or colors? Now, a uh, few few episodes ago, I said you liked blue, but it's not blue; it's teal. Is that right? Yeah, okay. yeah. I have very strong feelings about that. You are correct. Yes. Okay. <laughs> <Whew>. I <laughs> glad. Um. So, uh, can I explain like color theory very quickly? Yes. Okay. Please. Yeah. So th- the reason I prefer teal to blue uh, and and consider them very different is that. Every so there's a number of different dimensions to to what a color is. Basically, there's the hue, which is what what is the wavelength of the light that you're looking at, and then there's the degree to which it is uh, faded with white, black, or gray, right? And so, um, when you have a hue, say it's red, blue, green, like a general wavelength. Here it is. Um, any of those colors has a warmer and a cooler iteration. It can move to the, you could say theoretically to the left, which is closer to the warmer colors or to the right, which is closer to the cooler colors, right? If you're looking at a rainbow. So mm-hmm. uh, teal is a warmer form of blue and it, because teal is, is blue with some yellow added. So it's moving hmm. towards right. the warm, but also if you're, so you have green, say you have green and blue, and uh, teal is what's between green and blue. And so is aqua and turquoise and stuff like that. But uh, between blue and green, you have all these different possibilities for how, for whether it's closer to green or closer to blue. So green with a little bit of blue in it is a cool green. And blue with green in it is a warm blue. Mm-hmm. Right. Because there's, you're sort of like moving in that direction. And then, with between those two colors, you can also add white or black or gray, right? Like you can add something in that spectrum. And so what you want to do when you're thinking about your colors personally, there's three primary dimensions that you want to look at for the colors in your face and your skin. Um, the first is the degree of warmth, right? Whether you tend to be a little bit warmer or cooler. And that would be more like, are you towards orange and yellow or actually red is is kind of like rosy pink. And those that's sort of how you tell the difference for that. And you can test that on yourself a number of different ways. Um, if you think you look better in gold jewelry, you're probably warmer. If you look better in silver, you're probably a little bit cooler. And you can also, uh, makeup is foundation is made for skin tone. And so you can try uh, warmer and cooler shades and see which ones actually match your skin. And so that's, that's the warm, cool aspect. And then the clothing you wear, you would want to lean into the 
not just like you don't want, I'm not saying wear warm colors like red, orange, and yellow, but the warmer shades of all of the colors, right? The warmer purples, the warmer blues, the warmer greens, the ones that are shifted a little bit warm. And then you also want to look at the degree to which um, the colors are sort of muted by which uh, it actually means there's a little bit of gray. So I'm quite muted because, uh, well, I'm a mix of warm and cool because I have warm skin, but my cheeks are always very kind of pink <laughs> and, and, and the pink adds some of the, um, some of the cooler aspects, but my eyes are a little bit like fuzzed out or grayed out. They're not super clear. Um, and if there's a little bit of gray, if there's like softness, like uh, people's hairs often have gray in it. And I don't mean gray hairs. I just mean it's kind of shaded. You know, it's like the difference mm -hmm. between a, it's the difference between a bright blue and a powder blue or what they would call dusty, dusty rose, dusty blue, dusty this, you know, dusty teal. Um, and, and that's if you're, if you're, color palette is, has got a little bit of that shaded aspect to it. Um, and then people also look at contrast, which is like, if you have, you know, very like striking, uh, difference in the colors in your skin, very light skin with very dark hair, that sort of thing. Um, then you have a lot of contrast and then you, when you wear contrast, it looks really nice, but I have no contrast. My face is a soup of pink and orange. And so if I wear black and white, it just looks really jarring because it's different than this like soft soup that I have of like warm mm. colors on my face. That makes sense. Um, yeah. And so what I end up wearing, I wear warm, uh, shaded colors. And so that, that's like, so I always wear like teals. I often wear teals that are a little bit dusty and I like purples on that are warm and a little bit dusty and, uh, never, ever, ever, ever black. <laughs> it's, it's terrible for my like soft, whatever. So that's, that's color theory in a nutshell. And you can, you know, Google it and sort of, you know, start looking at photos and see which people you, you know, celebrities you look like and what colors and yada, yada, yada. But that's what I do. And honestly, it, it makes me so happy and people, people like notice, you know, yeah. and, 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 they might not necessarily know why, but they're like, wow, you look like you're sitting in your skin really comfortable today. I'm like, thank you. Yes, I am. <laughs> sitting in your skin is such an adult thing. To yeah. And you can yeah. do similar things. And I won't go on because we've got so much to talk about. But the same thing applies to like your body shape and your face shape. You know, um, mm -hmm. you can read about all the different theories about it uh, and then buy clothing for it. I will never, ever, ever stop wearing high-waisted pants. Like period, like that's my body shape. I, I'm high waisted yeah. pants. Keep them, you know. No more low. None of that. None of that hip hugger for me. Yeah, I love it. So that's anyway. so funny. So growing up, you wearing black, you never were like, wow, I look great in this. If it was like an all black something. Well, I never understood all of this, and I spent so I just never. It's funny. I wore black last night and I kept telling my friends, I'm like, this is the only black I own. This is a very rare occasion. You will never see me in this again. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I wore colors that I look, <laughs> I wore light pink. It's like the worst color imaginable on me. I just, I didn't, I didn't understand. But once I turned right. it into something that I could study, I was like, oh, there's this, like, it's not just something you guess. This is right. like an art form that I can learn. And so now mm -hmm. I'm, now I'm super into it, uh, super, super into it. And it's, uh, yeah, I love it. So I, That's it was cool. definitely a learning curve, but fun. Yep. I love it. I don't know what Thank color you. I am, but I do know that I, that black is my color. So I tend to gravitate and wear lots of black. 
black is lovely on you. You know, yeah. there's it, it looks great on a lot of people. If black is too harsh for y'all, navy works for almost everybody, everybody listening. Um, but of course, there are so many different shades of navy. So, yeah, I know. I've never <laughs> so felt like navy looks good on everything. me. Yeah. Anyway. Um, yeah. Black is better for you, I would say. Anyway. Ooh. Pers- this is a new business for you, Steph. Personal yeah, I've, consultations I've actually been thinking colors. about it. Send me some DMs if you think I, I should turn that into my next business venture. Yes. I'm thinking, I'm thinking yeah. about what's next. Let's make a video training, get a funnel going. On your Someday. A funnel. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Let's get into questions. Here's a fun fact. Over 75% of women are deficient in magnesium. And if you are deficient, it can cascade into other problems. In fact, women may actually deal with more health issues than men from not getting enough magnesium. This is because magnesium, of course, supports sleep, it helps to manage blood sugar and insulin, and is anti-inflammatory, but it actually fuels healthy mitochondria, which is important for hormone health for women because steroid hormones are made in mitochondria. So it serves an important role in helping to balance hormones and moderate your monthly cycle. The truth is, most magnesium supplements you'll find in health stores or online or on Amazon use only the cheapest synthetic forms of magnesium. And since they're not full spectrum, they don't have bioavailable forms, they may not actually raise your magnesium levels and you may not see improvements. There are actually seven unique forms of magnesium and it's important to take a compound supplement with multiple forms to experience the calming, health-enhancing effects. This is why I love Magnesium Breakthrough. I've been taking it for years. It is a compound supplement with seven unique forms. I have been taking two every night before bed, and it's one of the only nutrients that is an absolute must for me daily. It's made such a difference in my sleep and anxiety at night. For our exclusive offer, go to magbreakthrough.com forward slash wellfed. Our code is wellfed10 to save 10% off. Again, it's magbreakthrough, so M-A-G-B-R-E-A-K-T-H-R-O-U-G-H.com forward slash wellfed. I purchased my magnesium breakthrough with that link. I buy the bulk option so that each uh, bottle is just under $30. If for any reason you don't love it, you can get a full refund up to one year after you purchase, which is one of the things I love about Bioptimizers. Again, that's magbreakthrough.com forward slash wellfed. Our code to get 10% off is wellfed10. Question number one, Alethea. I, um, we have a lot of questions from Alethea. I appreciate you always sending good questions in. She said, I always have questions for you guys. Here's my latest quandary. I have started intuitive eating and moving past my desire for weight loss. However, I have just been diagnosed with an autoimmune condition. Psoriasis, it's pretty severe, but quite different from something like Hashimoto's. And I'm struggling with whether I need to change my diet to accommodate the autoimmune disease or just keep moving forward with intuitive eating. I already don't eat gluten or corn for allergy reasons. Thoughts appreciated. You both always have such great insight. So thank you for this question and for all the questions. I think I don't normally I don't normally come into these questions with straightforward advice, like this is what I would do, or like, this is, this is the thing to do. Um, I personally, I think it's possible to do both things at the same time. My notes say 
in all caps, eat all the paleo desserts. <laughs> so I think uh, it's totally up to you. And the one of the questions on the table is, do you want to can like how important is it to you to deal with this autoimmune disease? And also, if you do have an autoimmune disease, it suggests that there might be some underlying, you know, who knows what might else might be related to that. If there might be some other immune things or some gut things that your body could use some help with. So I personally would make the dietary changes to try to take care of it. I would experiment with it. You know, it's definitely a journey to figure out what foods, you know, you can like start with a specific plan and autoimmune protocol, what have you. And then over time, you can learn a little bit about your specific situation and what you can tolerate and what you can't and what you can reintroduce, all that sort of stuff. Um, and again, maybe it's really important for you to just keep eating anything and you're going to shelve looking at the autoimmune disease for a certain amount of time. Fine. That's an option. But I think also you could give yourself completely intuitive, unlimited reign within a specific range of foods, right? You're not, there's a difference between I'm cutting these foods out because they make me feel bad about myself or like I'm trying to do something with my shame or my guilt or my body weight, like all this sort of stuff. There's a difference between that kind of motivation, which can be associated with behaviors we don't necessarily love. Um, or, and then like, well, this is a choice I'm making because it's going to make me feel physically better and heal X, Y, and Z things. Um, so yeah, I, all caps, I think what I would do is cut out food, the things that I thought might be contributing to my issue and then eat a, eat a bunch of paleo brownies or whatever, you know, eat, eat, let myself eat intuitively within the, and freely and what have you, um, within the, within the parameters. But, uh, that's just me and you got options, but that's what I would do. Yeah. I think the, I mean, we, we have, you know, we've kind of gone round and round about this topic and trying to find the balance because Steph and I both know and understand that, removing certain foods because you have an autoimmune disease or because you have an allergy or because it doesn't make you feel well is necessary for health. But we also, that doesn't mean that you can't also have food freedom within that. It really has to, you really have to take a step back and understand what is your motivation and why do you want to do something? So historically, diet culture has been remove all these foods if you want to lose weight. It's always been about trying to make sure that you are more in control and you're restricting more and more and removing foods because they're bad or wrong and giving morality to that food. And as you engage with that food, you kind of become a bad person. You should feel guilt and shame for that. And you have to undo that with these health behaviors like working out or pulling in the reins and getting back on the wagon and all the things. And transforming your relationship with food which i believe you know intuitive eating food freedom all that stuff has a has a really important role in that you have to learn for a time like what your body feels good eating and what it doesn't and there's a lot of of course misconceptions about intuitive eating and food freedom and what that looks like no it's not just like eating ice cream 3 meals a day 
for the rest of your life. Because what you'll find is your body doesn't respond well to that. So it's you taking in the information that your body is giving you about how it's responding and reacting to certain foods and then making adjustments within, not because you're motivated to, oh, this food is bad, I need to take it out. But instead, you're like, this isn't working for me. I want to take this out. I can eat it if I want to, but I'm choosing not to because it doesn't make me feel great. And so there's this balance that you kind of, we we have to come to. And it's a dance because sometimes, you know, you could start to feel what Steph is coined a little restricty where all of a sudden you're like, oh, no, I'm cutting this out and I really, really want it. It's making me want it, you know. And so I think you do have to kind of find that balance of and maybe you do have it. Maybe you do have whatever it is you weren't supposed to eat some gluten, let's say a, like a gluten free bun or biscuit or whatever, because you're trying to avoid gluten. You eat it and then you can move on because, you know, okay, I just ate it. It's not the best for my health. It's not going to make me feel that great. Maybe you feel a little bit of the repercussions, but then you're able to move on with your life and say, yeah, that didn't really make me feel that great. Maybe you say, it really didn't taste as great as I expected anyway. I'm good without having that in the future. Like I've, I, I can move on. And you don't feel that guilt or that shame. You don't feel that like overwhelming desire to have it or that you, you know, you've just like you've you've dealt with it. <laughs> and so if you've been in practicing intuitive eating and you feel like you've gotten to a place where you are kind of understanding how certain foods are working well for you and what's not working well for you, if you feel like that restrictive mentality is kind of fading away a little bit, you're finding that, oh, wow, I used to restrict almond butter and I would binge on that, but now I realized I don't even like it. You know, you've, you've kind of come to some of these realizations. It might be time to move towards, all right, let's figure out what foods are right for me and what's going to help me as I try to improve my health overall. Because there are plenty of foods that taste great, you know, like I have a huge carrot cake sitting in my fridge right now, but I'm not eating it because I had it. Well, you know, both my husband and I are like, I don't really want to see carrot cake ever again, because we, if you eat carrot cake for three days in a row or four days in a row, you quickly don't want it anymore. And you're like, I'm done. Um, And so it's just going to sit in there. Now, years and years and years ago, if I had a carrot cake sitting in the fridge, I wouldn't be able to stop thinking about it, right? But now it's sitting there and it's kind of drying out. And I need to find somebody to like take it off my hands because I know how it makes me feel. I don't I know I'm not a good or bad person, you know, if I restrict it and I'm and I'm quote unquote good, or if I eat it, I does that doesn't make me bad. It's just cake. You know, I can eat it if I want to. And so I think that if you've gotten to that place, you can then move forward with okay, like, it's just food. I can eat it if I want to, but I'm choosing not to. And the one thing that I will say is it's important to, when you were looking at autoimmune conditions, there are two schools of thought. It's the food or it's the terrain and it's your gut. And I really think, you know, I lean more towards you've got to figure out what's going on in the gut. Doing a strict AIP protocol may have worked for some people, but just removing a ton of foods is not necessarily going to heal the underlying root cause. You've got to really look at what's 
what's going on in your gut? Are there bacterial imbalances? Are is you know do you have any sort of intestinal permeability, which we do know is is very very common in autoimmune conditions because your immune system is in your gut. Your gut is home to over seventy percent of your immune system. So when you are experiencing gut issues, that is, you know, dysbiosis, gut infections, all that stuff, it's going to directly impact your immune system and how it functions and it can cause dysregulation. So I would really make sure that you're focused, find somebody who's able to help you with underlying root causes as opposed to like do this diet, it's going to fix everything. So anything else, stuff? Nope. Okay, so this question was posed in face on our in our Facebook group from Sarah with no H. There's two Sarahs going on here. Um, she said, "Has every anyone here uh, completed the nutritional therapy practitioner program?" Thoughts. Sarah with an H says, "I'm following this. I've wanted to do this for years, but I've wanted, but I want to have a solid place and plan for after I get the cert and feel like a lot of people struggle building a business afterwards." This is true. Um, and I and I responded to. Uh, you guys. And then Sarah said, I feel like you were one of the people who said it's really hard to make any money coaching one-on-one. That's honestly what I would love to do, but hesitant to invest. I'm just so done with social media. I really have zero desire to start building an online community to find clients or sell a healing program or whatever. So I'm torn as to whether I could do anything with certification. I just feel I'm... I just feel like I already know a lot from all my years of researching my own health issues. And I love talking about health with family and friends. So I feel like it'd be a great fit and fulfilling. Okay. So here's the thing. I went through the Nutritional Therapy Association program, and I became a functional nutritional therapy practitioner. This is was years ago when they were still doing in-person trainings and online training. So there was always two different certifications that you could get. The, really, the only thing that separated them was one was in-person, one was not. And when you do in-person stuff, you, you learn um, a sort of a specific technique that allows you to test supplements and stuff like that. It's called lingual neural testing. Um, I never used that in my practice, but I really, really appreciated the opportunity to connect with people in person to be able to ask teachers questions directly. I just learn better in a classroom setting. So that was really great for me. So at this moment, they're doing the only the online in trainings, um, and it's still an incredible course. It's got incredible teachers, and it's really great content, in my opinion. It's foundational. Um, you know, you go over like six foundations. You learn a lot about those foundations at the end of the course. The foundations are things like blood sugar and um, hydration and stuff like that and mineral balance. So you learn a lot about, I mean, part of the curriculum in the course was like textbooks that were you know, specific nutri- nutrition textbooks and you learn about anatomy and you learn about the Krebs cycle and mitochondria and all these things. And so I think that it's super helpful and foundational. Um, it's great to create a foundation. It's about a, when I took it, it was a nine month course. I chose the NTA because I did not want to become a registered dietitian. So I think it's something important to note that if you're thinking about becoming you know, you want to help people in a specific way with nutrition. There is the registered dietitian route, which is a lot of schooling, a lot of, you know, you do internships. It is a very intense course. It's that that is, you know, you are registered as a dietitian. You can work with doctors. You can work in hospitals. Um, that is what the government says. This is our our program. We're, you know, we support this. This is your your registered dietitian. There are certifications, however, that 
are just available to the masses. You don't necessarily have to have any prerequisites to take them. And then getting the certification does not guarantee that you will have a job. Doesn't guarantee that you that anything's going to come of it. It's just something that you're taking for your own personal um, knowledge and, and interest. Okay, so... Uh, I looked at one out of Bowman College. It was a nutrition consultant program. I looked at one. Um, I looked at the NTA, and then I looked at the IIN. I think it's the IIN Integrative something or another. It's just they make health coaches. What I felt from my research, and I do feel like this is still the general consist- consensus, was that the nutritional therapy practitioner program was the most comprehensive. It was the most holistic, and it was exactly what I was looking for. It was sufficient. It was more reputable than just becoming a health coach because of the the amount of knowledge required, amount of, you know, research, reading, testing, all that kind of stuff. So I still think that that program was great for me. I actually did it. I get this question all the time, too. I did it while I was I did not have kids. But I did it while I had a full-time job. So it was about 10 to 15 hours a week, sometimes less. And I would do that maybe one to two hours a night. And then I would do most of it like on a Saturday. But my husband and I both are working all the time. He was working a ton, like 80-hour weeks. So it was easy for me to get it done and also have a job. But it was a lot, you know, it was still a lot. But it was fun. It's fun when you find something you love. There are a lot of other this. I'm just going to say this. There are a lot of other certifications out there. So, you know, years ago, brands, people, practitioners came out with their own certification programs. I would be wary of those certification programs becoming an ex coach or becoming an ex whatever, because it's not again, unless you absolutely love it, it's not necessarily a comprehensive education. You're just getting Again, a certification. And by the way, this is kind of what's happened with personal training certifications. There's only two I recommend. It's the National Strength and Conditioning Association. There's one other I recommend. Now I can't remember. Actually, there's two others I recommend. Um, But one of them is the National Strength and Conditioning Association. It's not just you go and take a weekend course and you get your personal training certification. So you have to be careful with certification. You have to be careful with certification programs. It became the thing to do years and years and years ago because you could charge people a bunch of money to get certified to, to be a blah, blah, blah coach. And then... Like, what do they end up doing with that? (laughs) What do people end up doing with that? It doesn't necessarily mean much. It doesn't necessarily mean you're going to have a job. It's just like you completed the course, yay. Now, if you learned incredible information from it and it really helped you create a foundation so that you can help people, awesome. Um, But I found that the NTA was really one of the only people that, you know, did that. Now, this is what I will say about businesses and you creating a business from that. Sometimes you have to go through a training or a certification or a learning experience like like the NTA, or you, you need to just start to figure out what you want to do with it. I think that's true of most people. Even if you have, you know, you love nutrition, you love fitness, you you don't know what lights you lights you up and what you want to focus on until you really start digging into the information. Now, I personally started my website and and was writing and using it as a tool while I was going through the NTA. And I highly recommend that. I highly recommend, you know, maybe starting a brand or a website or whatever and kind of using this information you're learning to maybe write blog posts or whatever. 
Or maybe just you have an Instagram, you know, times have changed. It's now Instagram and you start an Instagram and you start talking about things, but maybe you haven't found your niche yet, right? And so going through a course like this is going to help you find your niche. You've, you've got a niche down. Holistic health is not is not a niche. Autoimmune disease is not a niche. You, you've got to, you know, really e- get it even further down so that you can help people. And that is, I think, the problem, Sarah, now with social media is that I think a lot of people would just share a lot of different types of things and that used to work. Now on social media, it is it's way crowded. There's a lot of people. But if you're just sharing random stuff, like here's me pregnant, here's my baby, here's this recipe, here's this workout, which by the way, this is what I do. <laughs> so I'm not knocking you if this is what you do. But I have I have curated my content way down and I only share two or three different types of content now and that has helped. Um, but you have got, if you want to grow on social, social is a great tool to to to, you know, grow and market your business, but you have got to niche the heck down. You cannot, you know, running is not a niche. You've got to really niche down, know who you're serving, and then work like fire to to get that type of content out and to find those people. And it's not like you need thousands of followers. I mean, you could just be growing by the hundreds every few months and you're going to find more and more people who are your target market for one-on-one coaching or whatever. I do not regret doing the one-on-one coaching. Do I think you can make an income off of that? No, I don't. But you can make some income off of that, right? So I do many different things. I do multiple things. But I would not have changed doing one-on-one coaching. I would not have changed doing one-on-one coaching because it allowed me to, one, learn a ton um, to get confident. Like I, I really learned how to help people, how to work with people, but also what I was worth. You know, it's a it's a it's an interesting growth experience. And I also started to figure out what I wanted to do next, what resources to create, what products to create, and how I could help people in the future. So, you know, when you hear from people like me, you hear you hear 10 steps down the road. But truthfully, I wouldn't have got to step nine if I hadn't have taken step one. That's how it works. And so if you doing all of the things that I did in the way that I did them and learning allowed me to create, you know, find my voice, find my message, find what I was passionate about and focus in on that. Before, you know, when I first started, I was not interested in talking about mindset or body image or any of that stuff. But I saw this as like a reoccurring thing that everybody was really struggling with. And I wanted to save people from going through the struggle that I went through. I really didn't even know that so many people were going through the same struggles, body image, you know, diet, all that kind of stuff, or, or like struggling with diet culture. That na- that name didn't even exist when we started, you know, our podcast. Um, maybe it did, but it wasn't really super well known. And the more that became a passion of mine and helping people with that, the more I started talking about that and and creating, you know, content to serve people in that way. So I don't regret doing the one-on-one training. If that's what you want to do, absolutely do it. And don't just throw social media away. Social media, we expect everything to go viral and to get all these likes. And, and it's just not the way it works anymore. And you really do have to niche down. You've got to niche down, find your market, go hard after them, help them, and you will slowly grow from that. That is all the advice I have. I hope that was helpful. This is if you were to 
purchase a marketing call with me back in the day when I had marketing services, this is what I would have said. So, um, anything from, oh, Stephanie, why don't, do you have anything to add? <laughs> yeah. I mean, you have your um, own experiences. I do. And I'll, um, I'll just say quickly that I think, I think certifications are quite helpful, um, for a few reasons. One is that it lends you you know, credibility, it's really, it's challenging to build credibility without it. Um, you know, people, they, I mean, they're a part of how our society functions and certifications are very helpful for that. You Can you build a brand and expertise in a community and everything without it? Yes, I I have done it. Um, but it's, uh, yeah, it, it can be very helpful for that. And um, secondly, um, it gives you formal protocols to lean on, communities with which you can discuss um, what you're going through. Um, for me personally, giving people advice is really stressful. <laughs> um, and anyone who takes in who takes their job seriously will be aware of what a responsibility it is. Responsibility it is to be talking about this sort of thing um, publicly and personally. One-on-one coaching was was really hard for me, and I, um, if I had been certified, I might have kept doing it, but I, um, I was quite uh, worried about whether I was giving the right advice and, and this sort of thing. And so I think going through a certification program can really give you the um, tangible and emotional like tools you need to to do it, even if you know a lot, you know, sort of understanding the systems and how other people are practicing and being able to communicate about it. Um, I think that can be, that can be really helpful. So, um, my, the other thing I might say is, you know, Noel was talking about like being really specific in terms of a niche and social media. Um, another way you might want to do it, um, is to be hyper local, right? Like be in your community. Cause if you go on, if you're on the inter- internet, if you're on the internet, mm-hmm. um, being niche is really, really important because the world is so huge. And so you want to find a community, build a community around, you know, something that can bind you together, something that is like an important um, foundation for you. But you can also, I think, build a foundation like in a local community and you could create resources for a local community that have to like, you know, you can talk about the same restaurants and you can talk about like, you know, and then there's a lot of word of mouth. Um, if you, if that kind of community is, is available to you and that way, um, that is another part of the brand that you could build and you can still have an email list and a social media, but if you're speaking to people who are local to you, then that in itself would be like a part of, of your brand and sort of anchoring who you are to them and the kinds of relationships you can build and you can meet them in person and stuff. Right. So, um, anyway, those are some, uh, additional thoughts on the topic. Yeah, and I do recommend, you know, a nutritional nutrition certification is a as a foundation. It's something to build from. Once you figure out what do you want to do from there, do you want to focus on hormones or gut health or mineral balance or whatever, you need to do additional training and testing and certifications from there. You know, and, it, and that sounds overwhelming, but it's fun. You can, you know, a continued learning is important in in anything that you're doing or you know, if you're whatever you're an expert in. And so I think that you know, you'll be able to find other options. You'll be able to see what other people are doing and other, you know, what are some reputable trainings and what are some reputable certifications that will help me understand how to look at lab work and help people in that way. And then you 
you can move on and do more from there. The two personal training certifications, the two that I was, and I'm sure there are more credible ones. I'm just saying the two that I were was looking at when I wanted to become a personal trainer was the National Strength and Conditioning Association and the National Academy of Sports Medicine. So it's NASM. It's the second one I was looking at. Um, okay, so the last question is from Jennifer Fry. She said, seasonal depression, anything on this topic? So why don't you talk a little bit about what you do, Steph, and then I can just add some little things in. Yeah, sure. Um, so seasonal depression is related to a handful of different potential physiological things that are going on, right? Um, mostly it's uh, dark and also it's cold and it's mostly very dark. And so um, your body produces vitamin A when it's exposed, sorry, vitamin D when it's exposed to uh, sunlight. And also very importantly, your body produces serotonin when you look at sunlight you know, when, when you see it. And so being out in the sun, good for producing vitamin D, but actually just being exposed to that quality of light is hugely important for serotonin. It's great for your circadian rhythms. Um, and then something else that happens when it's dark out is your body can produce more melatonin, which can make you sleepier and lethargic if you're sort of overproducing melatonin. Um, and then I have in my notes also, everything just sucks a little bit more because <laughs> I mean, because <laughs> Wintertime, I mean, some people really, really love winter, but generally speaking, it's just a little bit harder to get out the door because it's colder. You got to put all the stuff on, you know, it's darker. It's a little bit less easy to go about like doing the fun things, right? So um, what you can do for all of this is um, you can take a vitamin D supplement, vitamin D with K2. um, And if you know, if you really want to dial that in, you can get your vitamin D levels tested and work with a practitioner uh, to make sure your levels are in the range you want them to be. Um, keep a regular sleep schedule if you can. Um, stay active, especially during the day. Like Just keep moving. And of course, you can get a, a lamp. I have one. It's a little um, one on my desk here. And uh, you can uh, just turn it on. It mimic, mimics the sunlight. It's quite bright. Um, using it for um, 20 minutes to, you know, they recommend around 20, 30, uh, perhaps longer if you want to, uh, sometime after you wake up shortly after you wake up having a good routine. That's been really helpful for me in the past. When I left England, I left my lamp there. I actually just bought a new one last week. Cause I was thinking like, wow, it's really dark and cold and spending a lot of time indoors right now. Uh, so I bought it and it's, uh, I've only been able to use it a little bit because I've been out and about, um, unfortunately, but also I've been out and about. So it's, you know, it's been okay. Um, in terms of balance, I really like it. Um, it does help with my circadian rhythms a little bit, I think. Um, and then another thing I would recommend is just really being intentional about keeping like knowing what kind of time that we're in seasonally and trying to take care of that for yourself. Like something that's really important for me. Like when I started going dancing, my frustration with the darkness, like sometimes it would get dark and I would just like, it would be upsetting to me. Um, I could feel it in my body being like, "Mm, I need more. Um, And when I started dancing, like I'm out laughing in rooms that are sometimes brightly lit, sometimes not, you know, but, um, just staying very active, uh, and scheduling things and events and making sure that I'm continuing to go about my life and not just sort of melting into my sofa at the same time, if you want to really embrace that hibernating 
mentality. Like I'm going to melt into my sofa for a little while. Cool. You know, just make sure that it's something that's conducive to your flourishing. Um, and uh, yeah, so those are some thoughts that I have about, um, wintertime. Yeah. I, I like the idea of keeping a routine. What's been really helpful for me is getting up and getting my cortisol going right away with exercise. I, even if, you know, it stinks exercising in the dark, I will say, but it's nice to be moving your body, get it going, get something ex- like to exercise makes me excited. And I think if you're doing the right things and you're again, I'm going to plug the Peloton app. I love it. I, I feel like I'm working out or training with somebody. It's kind of, you know, it's entertaining. It's entertainment. I enjoy that. And so even if it's just an upper body workout or a stretch or some core work or whatever, it's nice to get my body moving to start sweating. I see the sunrise because I think if you're staying inside a lot, you're just you're just kind of perpetuating that cycle. So I get to see the sunrise because I'm working out in the garage and there's big you know windows. And so I see the sunrise and I try to get myself outside first thing in the morning. And I think that if you are establishing that and getting outside and still allowing your body and your face to see the sun, it does help. And I know it's cold, but I have found that when I have the right gear and I make it work and I prioritize my workouts and or walking outside, even if it is cold, just making sure I have, you know, I invest, my husband hates me, but I always, I love a good coat, man. I'm a sucker for coats and, and like bags. So I do get a, basically get a new coat every year. This year I did get a very warm, heavy, like Columbia jacket that is short, like it goes to the waist so that I stay nice and warm when I do need to get outside and get moving. I haven't had the light, but I really am thinking about it because I hate the feeling of waking up in I just don't like waking up to an alarm clock. I hate it. I think it's so jarring and it's not helpful. And it feels like if I were to gently wake up to like a light turning on and then like you know, slowly getting brighter. That would help a lot. I do use the Blue Blocks Summer Glow Lights. That's made a huge difference for when it like gets darker earlier and I'm still sitting there at 4.30. I want, I'm like, what happened to my light? And it just feels dark and sad. I have them at my desk lamps. So Summer Glow Lights, Blue Blocks, they are, it just feels like you're sitting on the, I don't know, it's like a nice, almost like a tanning bed kind of feel where, you know, you get in a tanning bed. I haven't been in one in a long time, but it's nice and warm and friendly and it just feels like a hug. That is kind of what it feels like. So blueblocks.com slash wellfed, I think is our link, um, 15% off. Get the summer glow light bulbs, put that in like wherever you're sitting and working. I find that to be super helpful. That is it for us. Anything else to add, Steph? No. Happy Valentine's Day. We love you all very much. And um, take care of yourself. Go do the limbo. Maybe drink a bottle of wine before you do it. Sounds like a good Valentine's Day. (laughs) Not a whole bottle. Okay. uh, (laughs) Sure. A glass of wine. Not a whole bottle. I buy the little ones. Condone that. I buy the little ones, you know, the little mini ones. Okay. Yeah, okay. Uh, for more from Steph, you can follow her at stephanie.ruper. For more from me, I'm at Coconuts and Kettlebells on Instagram. Coconuts and Kettlebells is my website. Thanks for being here. We will talk to you next week. <laughs>